Hi, and welcome to the LIC Reading Series. This is your host, Catherine Lasoda. In this episode, we'll hear the panel discussion from our January 8, 2019 event with Jen Dahl, Jacqueline Gilbert, and Crystal Hana Kim. If you want to hear the readings from these authors from that event, just listen to our previous episode. In our panel discussions, I start off the night by asking our readers a few questions myself. And then we go to the Magic Silver Box, which is a special feature of LIC Reading Series. I ask our audience to put questions into the Magic Silver Box, and if I pull one of those questions out of the box and ask our authors, that audience member wins a prize, usually a gift certificate donated by an awesome local Queens business. So come on and join us by the fireplace in LIC Bar for this discussion with Jen, Jacqueline, and Crystal. So I'm going to uh, start us off with a few questions before we get into the MSB, <laughs> the magic silver box. And we were talking uh, before we got started tonight about um, like the long process of putting a book into the world. And uh, we have these finished books here. You've read from them. They have been perhaps finished works for some time and then they they go through the public they have this publishing cycle and they maybe i wonder if you could each speak briefly to um the length of time perhaps the span of creating this work that has become a book how long Mm -hmm. and if there is um anything differently that you start to feel about the work as you read from it in front of audiences or you're like, oh my God, what is this thing I wrote that I totally forget about that was like forever ago? I'm already thinking about something else. Like, so you can talk to that experience. Anyone can start that question. Okay. Should I start? Sure. Um, so the question that you hear the most once you have a book out is, how is your book doing? And you're, oh, yeah. Which is like the worst question. I mean, like, like, everyone is it means happy well. Or? No, but the problem is that there's no way of answering because your book, if it's doing anything, has become disassociated from you, you know? Yeah. So you're like, I don't know. It just didn't exist. Like, whatever. You know, let me let me call it an ask. Um, but I think that just underscores how the process itself is, like, so long. Like, my book, I guess I was signing off on final pages last summer. And now it's a whole new year. And it's just like, so reading from it, you're like, oh, these old pals, you know, (laughs) like it's nice, but it's nothing that is, you don't know how it's doing, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it's like an old boyfriend or something. It's like the cheese guy. Um, How are you doing? I have no idea. Uh, I wonder if he still shaves. You smell the same. (laughs) (laughs) You smell the same. And and ideally, like you feel proud of it and happy about it and whatever, blah, blah, blah. But like, um, you, the only way to be a writer is to be working on the next thing that you care more about than the thing that's already out. You know, mm-hmm. I think. You guys, Wait, another, you guys great, another great question, right, though, if you're on tour is like, so what are you working on now? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And you're like, <laughs> my glutes. I don't know. <laughs> I, I didn't. I never said that, but I'm going to start saying okay. stuff yeah, like that. Should. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> going to get like really fit now. <laughs> another book. Yeah, mm. obviously. I, well, I started this book in 2011, 
But so I, I start. I went to grad school in 2011, and someone had told me, you know, if you go to grad school for creative writing, make sure you start a project so that you have something that you're working on. So I actually started a short story collection that was kind of interconnected. The characters were coming. It was about three generations of a family, but they were all short stories. And in my last semester of class, my workshop teacher told me, you know what? I think you should get rid of two thirds of this short story collection, the second and third generation, and just make a novel about the first generation. And I mean, at first I was really annoyed <laughs> because I had been working on this thing for three years, two and a half years at that point. But I think that I realized that he, my teacher was right. I think before that I was just too nervous because I thought I didn't know how to write a novel. Uh, but I think after two and a half years of class, I, I had more confidence. So then starting in 2014, I then wrote this, I kind of transformed a third of what I already had into this novel. And then I was done, I don't know, like 2016 or 20, because the publishing industry, a year before you publish, they're, you're basically done. And then right. they're working on covers and all that stuff. So I think I was done in 2017 mm -hmm. with e edits and everything. And then at that point, you were kind of sick of looking at your work because you have looked at so many drafts. You're looking at copy edits. So at that point, I was just I was ready to start something new. I started a new project. And then I think that book tour and publishing has been a nice way to get back into it because... Now that I'm in a second book and I don't know what I'm doing, I, I miss <laughs> my first book where I know all the characters so well. Yes, and it's done. Right? So yeah. you're like, oh yeah, done. that one. I know I, 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 know I could do, do it, it once. Yes. <laughs> so totally. readings now are a fun way to just like go back into the characters. Yeah. yeah. What about you? <laughs> um, I have a, kind of a similar story where I started this book in graduate school because you know, I I wanted to commit to something in the, in, a, in a time period where that was contained and where I knew I would have the time and space to um, to really develop it. So I had started this book as a short story that I felt wouldn't really go away, um, and the character just required a lot more and a bigger canvas. And um, I ended up finishing my MFA with a novella that was really like what I thought was the first half of the novel, but I had to learn the hard way that it doesn't work that way where a novel requires a very fi fine balancing of every chapter and part into the wholeness of it. So I really had to restructure it and pace it out right, and that was painful. Um, but it really, I think, was about learning what it meant to write a novel. Um, so I, um, I think that took me maybe total five to six years since I started it. And then um, I did get some advice from another writer um, at the library where I sometimes do research. Um, you know, he said to me, I would, I would start wor working on your next project now. And this was, um, I'm not being clear, but this was right after I finished it and I knew I was going to start looking for an agent. And I was very worried about that and scared of, about the whole process, but I just tried to sit with that uncertainty a bit and, and start something. And actually the day that I knew I was going to have somebody who wanted to represent my work, that's when I, I wrote um, the first, I guess, maybe three to five pages of my next work. Nice. 
<laughs> and I think everybody thought I was insane because I wasn't sleeping. It's probably the story of my life, but I just felt like I proved it. I'm like walking my dog in the early morning thinking, I have pages. Like, yeah. I'm okay. I'm going to be okay. Um, so, and then, you know, it's, it's, it's a weird, I, I don't, yeah, the, the whole process I find very challenging between like, Finishing your first book, letting go of it. Um, I found, I don't know how you guys felt about the copy editing process, but I found it pretty hard. And I don't know if it's because my book is um, nonlinear and um, the timeline's really, like, it's very specific because it deals with people who are obsessed with details and numbers, but it's also not following a, it's more on an emotional timeline as a book. So to actually trace all of that was, I found extremely difficult and uh, I'm not a math person and... I feel bad for everyone to copy edit this because I couldn't answer a lot of the questions sometimes. Um, so, yeah, so that was kind of a harrowing long process. And then I'm really just, I feel like, really getting into my tech second project now. So, I th and I kind of realized today, you know, after doing some work on it, like um, today, that that I I felt that when I thought about reading tonight and what I was going to read, it was one of the first times when I felt comfortable getting my pencil out and like like scratching up the text and and yeah. thinking what would I do now because it's gone, <laughs> it's out of my hands and I that's that was kind of a moment of um, yeah I, I can't control how it does and I get the same questions too like how are sales how are things going and you really do I think have to disassociate to to create that space to create. So the reading actually is helping me, I think, yeah. do that. because Actually, that's like yeah. the, the most fun part, like yeah. talking to people about your book, not knowing what your part. sales are. Yeah. Like who can, like if, if they were great, you'd know, you know? <laughs> yeah, talking to readers, I think, is the best part. Talking to readers who've read yeah. your book and have, have something excited, like they feel something about it. Yeah. Or like there's a random person who comes out of nowhere and is like, I read your book at the exact right time in my life. And you're like, what? Yeah. This is so awesome. <laughs> you know, that's all I did it for. Yeah, oh, that work meant something. It connected yes, to this person. Yes, totally. Yeah. It went into the world yeah. in a good way. Do, do have you gotten responses from readers where you're like, "Wow, it meant that to, that was not not even in the realm of what I was thinking writing this book." Or have you been surprised by responses that you've gotten? Mm. Or they're all like, I, "You knew exactly how this book was going to be received by everybody." <laughs> I'm just constantly <laughs> surprised by a non-negative response, which I think is like from years of. Being Fear. on the internet and like writing and sort of having just criticism come at you, right. and then that it's like overwhelmingly positive is like, oh wow, <laughs> that, that's a thing that exists, and like also that you you can not interact with the bad comments, you can just let that exist, and that's fine. Just don't so, read yeah. it. That's a good lesson. That's hard yeah. for some people to yeah. accept. It's like, do you want to go digging in the garbage? No, just don't do that. Yeah. Or the cheese. Yeah. yeah. Don't go into the moldy cheese. <laughs> um, you, <laughs> what, do you like moldy cheese, moldy cheese corner over here? Yeah. I mean, technically Only cheese, cheese. Is, some cheese, cheese is supposed yeah. to be moldy, so maybe That's do. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair don't enough. go into the moldy old meat. I don't know. I, no, no, not moldy <laughs> meat. Moldy <laughs> meat. <laughs> trying to think of something just like bad <laughs> that's disgusting <laughs> word of the night is disgusting um a couple of you mentioned uh these works starting as short stories as short story collections and that's something i wanted to ask about um was so we have three novels here how did you how did you come to this place where you're like okay i have an i have a novel here or this is something that i 
want to spend the amount of time on that's going to be required to to write a good novel um maybe is there some kind of a personal connection to the the place or the 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 characters or the subject matter that you can speak to that that made you want to dedicate yourself to this particular book project um. <laughs> not that novels are like more intense than short stories it. i didn't mean to uh, like imply that just no. to create an entire book and like how do you how do you decide you're going to give yourself to this yeah. topic or this um yeah i i think that's a really good question because i remember at the time that i wrote the story i, I we had this thing in, in our mfa where you could um you like conference with your professor and you can sit down and talk about it and i remember like looking at my professor in the eye and saying i don't i don't know is this a story or is this longer uh and then uh, i think it was just that feeling of like there's something <laughs> more that just won't shut up about it mm -hmm. and that's kind of when i knew that it was more than that, and and I and that looking back, I can see that it's really a rep for me. This book represents a time period um, of my own life as a competitive distance runner that I couldn't really look at directly. Um, that, but it was always with me, like um, the the high pressure that I felt, intense pressure to achieve, and this intense feel of failure. I would say almost every day for four years <laughs> um, that I felt. <laughs> yeah, I know it's not a light in my mind. I was like, wow, I think I have PTSD from college. Carl finds like, failure uh, hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there was something about that time period that I needed to access, but I, but I, but I had to do it through a 60 year old man. So <laughs> Um, because that gave me a proper distance, I think, and, um, you know, this, this removal, but because I think to me, I started to realize that now a novel is really about time. Like, like, you know, I, I feel that I need enough time to compress and expand it at once where I think that's true of a short story too, because to write a short story, a time is usually really compressed into that story. But um, you get chapters and you get characters and lives and perspectives and psychology that I could really navigate and, and, and use all that to kind of come back to this very personal moment of reconciliation, I actually realized, with my own self of a loss and um, I think a loss of – I don't know if it's a loss of this college years being something that I – um, I wanted them to be, but also something that had, had happened to me that was traumatic in college. So for me, it was kind of like working from um, from this outside and this outside character that came with all these questions and things that were from my subconscious that I couldn't know back to this very personal realization. And I think it just kind of spoke for itself, but that's why I don't really have an answer to. <laughs> I think that's a I great answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think um, I think for me it's kind of like this idea of what are you writing about, right? And when I I always loved writing, but when I went to college, I was an English major, and for some reason I started writing about characters that were kind of like cultureless, identityless, raceless. Mm -hmm. Because I think as an English major, I was reading a lot of like Western canon, and I thought that's what literature is. And I realized towards the uh, middle and end of college that I should not just totally 
make my characters so blank because that's what I think literature is. And when so when I went to my graduate school, Mm -hmm. I decided, you know what, I'm really going to write about Korean people. My project is going to be about my culture and my history. And I... I'm really close with my grandma. She she came to Flushing for a couple of years from Korea to take care of me because when my parents were working, um, she actually took care of me for two years, which is crazy, right? Like for free. <laughs> I don't know. That's, that's the best. That's, that's crazy. Can we can we get like we want to borrow some family members right? for I, that? Two years. That's amazing. That's, that's a lot. Uh, <laughs> but she was a teenage refugee during the Korean War. And my, I mean, all four of my grandparents were, uh, were survived the Korean War and, and some of my aunts and uncles too. So I think that because uh, once I went to grad school and I decided I am going to be writing about Korean people and Korean history, I decided I wanted to write about the war because it, it happened not very long ago, 1950. And mm. it's not mm. something that many people, I think, know about here you know i remember learning about it in high school and it was like one line in between world war ii and the vietnam war so i thought you know what like i'm gonna write about this because even my education of it uh was missing and i wanted to learn more was there a moment of it's interesting that you 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 had this idea of uh kind of blank characters blank characters that were literature and then Feeling, I don't know, was it a confidence or a, or or just an, um, a curiosity to write a, about Korean characters and maybe uh, dive into your grandmother was a refugee? Was there a certain point where you said, "Well, maybe my story is something that is it is confidence the right word or is it a yeah"? I mean, I think I just because of what I was reading in my classes, you know, I was reading a lot of like. I was reading George Eliot and all mm-hmm. these um, amazing authors, but just they were all white and old Western. Um, so I think that that I just thought I I wasn't reading a lot of Asian American literature and I thought this is not considered serious literature and I wanted to be a serious writer. Mm-hmm. And then I had a teacher who told me, you know, I think you should write what you know. But at that point, no at that time, that I was before. 19 <laughs> and I just thought like, I thought I thought I was going to be pigeonholed or something like that. So yeah. I was kind of resistant to it. But the feedback that I kept getting in class was like, what is going on with these characters? Like, who are they? What, you know, where are they from? So I think that it just translated to bad writing. It was like fuzzy, mm. not very well, like detailed writing. Mm. So... That made me think, okay, what do I know? It's, you know, my family stories. I think that this is actually something worthy of reading. And I started taking more modern lit classes and mm. that kind of helped too. That helps. Yeah. yeah. I think it's always like the thing that you're obsessed with, even if you don't know you're obsessed with it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like you just keep going back to it yeah. somehow. And in writing a novel, it's less of like a, oh, yeah, yeah I want to write a novel than it is like, what is this like? obsession that I have that I can't stop dealing with. It's like therapy in a book form for yourself. Yeah. And ideally you get paid, you know, something. Mm-hmm. Um, pay back your therapy. Yeah, like to just pay back your therapist who actually made way more right. than you did. But <laughs> like it's it's such a compulsion in so many ways as opposed to sort of like, like I, I'm sure there are novelists who are like, I have laid out the exact right thing to like make a successful novel. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that they've maybe done fine or great. But I think from for us, I mean... It's just like the thing that just your brain like 
my brain got attached to the idea of an unclaimed baggage center where when I grew up in Alabama, there was an unclaimed baggage center and lost luggage would go there and people would like shop there and look, buy other people's weird shit that they've never I've never heard up. of that. Yeah. Before. And it, wow. it still exists. And like how <laughs> fucking weird, you know, and what <laughs> mysteries are there? And then what about the people who work there? And so, so one of the greatest <laughs> things about my book tour was that we went to Scottsboro in Alabama, which is where the original Unclaimed Baggage Center is. And the one I was sort of like modeling my fake unclaimed or my novelized Unclaimed Baggage Center on um, was one that was in a different town, which is where I lived for a while. Um, and it was kind of like an outpost that didn't adhere to the same rules. But this one in Scottsboro is like super Christian and they don't let anyone who's under a certain age even go down into the unpacking layer. It's like fingerprint <laughs> coated like you can't get in and only old people can unpack because like Wait, what if you found that, dildos why is that Chris oh because if you find dildos it's not or like <laughs> yeah other things Jeez, they have like a whole bible book section which great but like yeah anyway so it's fascinating so I think that it just I was a Yankee transplant to Alabama and this store was there when I was in high school and all of that just stuck in my brain for a really long time. Wow. And then coming to New York City and like being a grown up, I was like, I still don't understand what all of that meant about <laughs> like right. living in a place and not living in a place and who you are. And yeah. so I have like a liberal character who is in the wrong place, she thinks, and just all of these misfits and like what does it mean to fit in? Um, and it really is about like finding the people that you need to fit in with. So now that you've written it, do you know where you belong? Like nowhere. <laughs> Right here. Right here. <laughs> that's it. Right here, right now. In Queens. <laughs> um, Long Island City. Yeah, that's great. I'm gonna I'm gonna get I think it's gonna be time to go into the magic silver box here in a minute, but um hearing you talk about this was that you, Carl? You <laughs> I tell you what. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> um actually a year ago in January, uh, last year, Min Jin Lee came and read from Pachinko. <laughs> And then we did um, a one-on-one -on -one interview that you can check out on the Very Small Baby Growing LAC Reading Series <laughs> podcast. It's yeah, out there. There's cool. two episodes out right now. But she she was talking about this uh, uh, about she was grilling me on my writing. She's like, I was like, stop turning the tables, man. This is an interview <laughs> with you. But she's like, look, maybe if you're not really into your project enough, you have the wrong project, Catherine. Maybe. Yeah. You know, what you need to feel about it is like you're having an affair. Like it has to be something you're willing to tear apart your life for. And she's like, she's like, you know, That's I've talked funny. to, she's like, I've talked to a lot of people. She interviews a lot of people. She says people confide in her about their affairs. And she's like, what is so interesting is people are like, they use the word soulmate and they're like so into it. And they're like, this is my soulmate. And then you meet the person and you're like, <laughs> what, so what you know but like it has to be that important to you as an individual mm -hmm. it's just so personal it's like do, do you feel like 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 you're in a love affair with your books or is that just like one crazy best-selling author so. um <laughs> i think like some of my problem in committing to a new book is i'm not in love with any of them you know yeah like i'm working on like three different things and i'm like is this the one is this the one i don't mm. know this one didn't take me to dinner like <laughs> <laughs> it's and like as you're in that early stage it can feel very it is it's like rhapsodical if it is good but if it's yeah. bad you're like that's horrible I don't know <laughs> it's hard to it's hard to recommit 
Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I think so, especially with first books. I mean, we mm-hmm. all have first books here. And there's something really special about the first book because you don't know if anyone's going to publish it. Mm-hmm. You don't know if anyone's going to read it. So you really are committed. You you know, you want to write this project because you it, it means something to you and it wakes you up at night. So especially with the first one, I think it's like, it's like your first love. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think. I don't know. I would love my second book to also be my first love, but I don't but know. But there's something special. Like, you know, we have many loves, maybe, or not in our lives, but that first one always has a special place <laughs> right. in our heart. You yeah. know, like, I love you, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Should we get into the box? Yes. Yes. Yay. Okay. We have to decide who's going to get the first question. And the way we're going to do that, and I think I've I've asked this before, but I'm just going to go back there. I'm going to do it again. And I'm going to say, um, let's say I'm thinking of something that you wear on your feet. Shoes. Shoes. Oh, socks. Okay. Stockings. Are we supposed to guess? You are supposed to guess. <laughs> Toe rings. And he, and Anklets. Who, okay, you can only guess once. Yeah, I would only guess. <laughs> and whoever is the closest within my head gets the question. So let's take a deep breath. Okay. <sighs> this is a new question. Jacqueline. She's <laughs> toe rings. She took my answer. What was your answer? Shoes. Can you be more specific? But I can, uh, okay. Boots. <laughs> Boots, slippers. Okay, see, this helps because while I was thinking of maybe going somewhere a little far off and saying like, oh, I don't know, nail polish or whatnot, uh-huh. I didn't. <laughs> this is the part where you trust me. <laughs> I should write it down and like hand it to somebody, but I swear I don't lie. I was thinking clog. Oh, and okay. I would say that a slipper is closer to a clog than a boot. It's fine. You thought I said frog? Black. Croc. 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 Somebody in the audience did say croc, right? Yeah, that's true. Frog. Who wears frogs on their feet? That would be awesome. That would be amazing. Tamed frogs. Okay, so whoever asked this question gets a drink ticket for the bar, and it goes to Jacqueline. Jacqueline, the question is, which book world do you want to live in? If you can think of a world of a book that you've read that you would like to live inside of, who asked Ooh. this question? Yes, you get it. Mm. That's a hard question. Oh gosh, that That's is a good. really hard question because yeah. I think it's hard because I usually go by character, like. Um, so who do you want to live with? I guess. <laughs> well, I could. I'm, not, I'm. I'm determined to find a. I mean, maybe I can just speak a little off the cuff of what I read. I just finished the book, The Sweet Hereafter. I don't know if anyone's read that book. But I'd seen the movie when I was, um, I think I was 13 or maybe 14. And I grew up um, in the suburb in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. But we didn't have any indie theaters. And one weekend, my mom, like my stepdad, I think she, I don't, I think they were married at that time. But um, they took me to this indie theater and I thought it was like crazy and cool. I'm probably going to go off into this whole story. But they had like real popcorn that was like in a little like box thing and it was, you only got a little like 
paper thing of it. But this movie was so depressing, I was totally shell-shocked out of my mind. <laughs> it's, this tra- it's this tragic story about this, 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 these children that are in a school bus that catapults off this oh hill. Um, and it's horrible. But over the summer, one of my teachers, I went to a workshop, and one of my teachers said that she thought I should read it based off what I was writing for my next book. And it was set in upstate New York, and my husband's from there, and we we often go up there for things like holidays and visiting family. So I could picture the place, but I realized that there's this, like, quiet peacefulness about the place that it's like there's almost an acceptance of death. I know that's going to sound horrible, but but something about the snow and the cold Mm -hmm. and the the hillsides and the people and, and... and that made me start thinking about denial and all kinds of denial that people have, especially when it comes to grief. So I wouldn't say that it's the most tropical island in the world, <laughs> but that was a place that I, I started to think, wow, that that to me is like a whole source of a story is just, mm. you know, that the land and the history of the land and the, and how the people adapt to it and how you have to, to get to, to make your way through that land yeah. kind of, yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. And also, by the way, the girl growing inside me agrees with you because she's like <laughs> punching and kicking during your answer. She's like, yeah, I like snow. <laughs> I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to meet her. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I don't know. But death is, death is part of life. When people shy away from talking about that, but, um, Thank you for being our first wild card here. Now, the next question is only open to Crystal or Jen. <laughs> are, you, are you guys nervous? A little nervous? You're okay. Not, You're okay. Yeah. You're okay. <laughs> I'm thinking of a winged creature. Bird? Raven. Did I just call your name? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm bad at this. It's fine. You're enthusiastic. <laughs> You're not in this one. Uh, no. <laughs> I didn't know if we were. <laughs> These rules are irregular. It's hard. I know it's late. It's the end of the I night. I failed kindergarten. <laughs> I should. <laughs> you wait. You failed kindergarten. I got out back. That's a. That's a wow. Adaptive issues. I don't know. <laughs> But you're doing that's so amazing. well. I don't know. Show your concern if you Send her a book. Yeah, I'm yeah. gonna. <laughs> that's amazing. Okay, wait. <laughs> a winged winged creature. A winged creature. But guess what, Jen? I'm gonna have Crystal give her answer okay, first. Yeah. I'm thinking of a winged creature. Raven. Raven. Phoenix. Phoenix. <laughs> Yes. This, is, this is tough. A raven or a phoenix? Now, we're they both went with birds. I decided this year, after picking up a collection of... Um, Carl and I were just in Hibbing, Minnesota, where he's from. Hibbing! Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like basically Canada. And it's also where Bob Dylan's from. And it's really, really cold <laughs> during the winter. We left right before it became negative 20. And they have an amazing um, outdoor supply store there, which is one of the like highlights of Hibbing, really. L and M. And I picked up a package of these uh... Wait, I'm getting there. Wow, frog clog ladies on it. Anyway, I picked up a pack of I hope it's not your question. Jeez. 
of plastic creatures. And I thought 2019 LIC Reading Series is the year that somebody gets a plastic creature uh, each night. Okay. So, uh, ooh. I, was, oh, it's a I was thinking of butterfly. The kindergarten dropout the kindergarten. got it. Yeah, I know, but she's yeah. not like part of it. I don't out. know. So what did we, you said <laughs> Raven and Phoenix? Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah, we're wrong. I mean, I mean, I, I'm going to go with Phoenix just because of like maybe coloring yeah. or narratively. Mm. Into so That's right. Phoenix rises from the flame. A butterfly <clears> comes <throat> from the cocoon. Is it? That's good. Lexi is a professional bookseller and bookstore owner, and she says that Phoenix is the answer for Butterfly. Also, you may be asking yourself at this point, what was the point of, of that Hibbing story? Why are they selling plastic creatures at an outdoor supply store? They also sell fishing tents, ice fishing tents. But who wants that? You want this. Yeah, I don't know. They don't even know. They have no idea. That's how you They have no idea. Okay. <clears throat> okay. The question is, Jen, Phoenix, Butterfly. Should we name it? Phoenix. Proust. Proust the Butterfly. Proust, Proust okay. Phoenix. Proust Phoenix, the PP, P squared. PP, The Butterfly. Peeps. <laughs> Peeps. <laughs> we could go on. For sure. Okay. Would you recommend the exact path you took toward writing and publishing your book to other authors? And who asked this question? All right, you get a butterfly. Hell fucking no. <laughs> like, exact path. Seriously? Like, first of all, if you want an exact path to being a published author, you should buy some Amazon guide. Like, I don't know. There's no exact path. You do a lot of work. It doesn't turn out the way you think. You do more work. You hate yourself. <laughs> you love yourself. You love someone else. You get there. It isn't what you thought it would be. You then are somewhere else. You get something else. It's like, it's a fucking crazy, you know, you just have to like kind of remember that what you're doing it for <laughs> is not to have a published book. You're doing it to put your words into the world and get to have that privilege of maybe someone else reading what you wrote. And maybe someone else being like, whoa, that was awesome and I needed to read your book at that time. Wait, was that not the approach you took then? <laughs> the approach I took was, <laughs> should I say? Um, yeah, you have to. <laughs> <laughs> well, after I dated that guy in Queens, um, <laughs> I mean, I, I tried to go like a safe approach. Like, um, okay, well, my dad always told me that I would never make mon enough money as an author, so I should probably be yeah. a librarian, which like doesn't actually add up either um, and takes a lot more school. <laughs> so um, I kind of like always went safe, like, okay, I'll be a managing editor. Okay, I'll train to be a copy editor. Okay, I'll be involved in this magazine, but not actually do anything for it, but just like make it be produced. Okay, all the magazines are dead now. Um, hmm, well, I guess I'll start a blog. And like, then I started a blog. And that was sort of the moment where I was like, all bets are off. There's no plan. I'm just going to do this thing that I like. And I think that's where you have to get. So I guess, yes, I would maybe do follow my exact plan. 
It's like when you have nothing left. What is the Janis Joplin quote about nothing, nothing left to lose? Some- is everything the, to gain? No, that's the, not what she said. It's in a song. Isn't she it? also died. So well, we all do eventually. Freedom's, Freedom's just, just another, another word, word for, for nothing, nothing left to lose. That is count the exact on that. the owner of a bookstore to know. <laughs> I would suggest <laughs> walk out of this bar, get that tattooed on you somewhere, and move on from there. You heard it here first. Are you live tweeting this? Can we get that advice out to the world? I don't know if that's helpful. I'm, I'm semi being, I'm kidding, but like it is true because yeah. you just have to like give up all hope and then figure out where you are after that and then keep going. And it's really good. <laughs> that's a great segue to the question that's left for Crystal on giving up hope and where do you go from there? Um, well, this question will be for Crystal, and the person who asked it gets this amazing gift certificate to Astoria Bookshop. Is it going to be? I don't know. Is it going to be you? It's going to be you. It's good for in-store purchase, so go visit the lovely Astoria Bookshop in person. It's amazing. Um, there's also many lovely events that take place at the bookshop you should check out. So the question is... Crystal, do you have any tips on how to overcome the fear of a white page? This is assuming that you're writing on a white page. You could be using a silver pen on a black page. I mean, I don't know. (laughs) And (laughs) i.e. how to start writing. Who asked this question? Yes. That's such a hard question. But (laughs) um, I think that... Mm, that's so hard. I mean, I think that what you what you need to do is to keep writing, if you, even if you think it's shitty, right? Keep writing to complete something, like complete a short story at least. And I think, because I think that I've met so many great writers, whether they were peers in my, in my classes or students that I teach, and the greatest hangup that I see, whether you... Um, are an emer- like a beginning writer or if you have developed your skills is that people don't finish because I think they're scared and they I think that there's you know that self-sabotage of of thinking like you know what I'm just you know you know for not finishing because that is safer than completing a shitty short story so I, th- I would say my best adv- advice is to just keep writing you write a shitty story so what who reads it you you've read it you've at least completed something and then you know that you can at least complete another short story and it's just those little steps that you take to to make it better so write some shit <laughs> start start with writing some shit and yeah then, no but that's good it's good advice it's true it's like what who are you afraid is going to read it no one yeah, actually no, no that's one. also another fear right <laughs> yeah. Who's read this? yeah yeah we can get that would be a whole other night discussion. But we do have to ask one final question for all three of you from the box. It's um, it's a brief question, but because you're all going to answer it, it's going to be this baller prize. Ooh. So the owner of LSE Bar also has a lovely restaurant up the street called The Gantry. It's nice food. I think they serve till 11. So you could go there now or you could just come back next month and get dinner before the show with this gift certificate. Ooh. All right, you guys. This is your chance to go back in time, wind back the clock and be like, if only, or thank God I missed that one. But the question is, had you not named your book what you named it, Mm. what would you have named your book? (laughs) Oh my God. 
Who asked this question? That's such nice. a good question. question. Asked by a writer, no less. <laughs> That's such a good question. I love that you got applause for having red hair. Yeah, that's good. I think I would have named mine Lost and Found. But like, Unclaimed Baggage is so much better, you know? I think. Um, I don't know because I only had one title for this book, which was If You Leave Me. uh, That's good because that's what they printed on the front. (laughs) (laughs) Thank God. Because all the characters are leaving in certain ways and all the characters are feeling orphaned in different ways from whether it's the war or love or um, trauma. But yeah, so I don't know. I mean, one male author that I met who shall remain nameless, I met him for the first time and he told me, don't have that title. It's Mm. it's too feminine. It's going to alienate your audience. Yeah, all those women who don't read, by the way. I don't know what he's talking about. But... um, but then I, I don't know. I kept it, and I'm, I'm glad I kept it. That's good. Too feminine. <laughs> so bad. I, I don't think I'm very good at titles, but I, um, originally named my, my, my book the course, and you know when I submitted it for an agent, everyone's the, the agent that wanted it was like, oh, what a brilliant title. And then when I went to meet with her, she like slowly told me that it was not a good title and <laughs> that you know and so I ended up having a crisis with this because I didn't know how to give a title to it and I was like time elapsed or something because I didn't I thought it had to be with running and it, uh, I probably sent a lot of really obnoxious emails because I didn't know what I should do but then I ended up like going through all my poetry books and uh, Elizabeth Bishop was one that I felt very connected to and and she had a poem called Late Air that has nothing directly to do with the book but it it is about love and like the idea of, of I guess losing losing love and it talks about sound waves in the atmosphere and I knew I, I knew that something atmospheric could capture the scope of the, the book so I ended up going with that so in short I don't really know what else I would have named it but that was the process <laughs> I, lo- I love the variety of responses we got from that question and how intensely like that was a part of the process of like, oh my God, what will the title be? And you're like, well, I only had one title. Titles are hard. Titles yeah. are hard. And then like, and then you get into cover design and everything else and it's like, oh God, all the, but they're all amazing. They're great titles. They look great. I want to give one more big round of applause to Jacqueline, Crystal, and Jen. Thank you, Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. You guys, we're here the second Tuesday of every month, theoretically, until I decide I'm insane and I have too many kids at home. (laughs) Um, But we're going to be here next month on February 12th with Dana Chapnick, author of The Falconer, Maria Devana Headley, author of The Mere Wife, and Jordy Rosenberg, author author of Confessions of the Fox. It's three really (laughs) awesome books, and you should totally come back on February 12th. Thank you. And... uh, Hang out, get a book, get a signature. Thanks. Thank you. That's today's show. If you like what you heard, tell a friend or leave a review wherever you found us. Special thanks to LIC Bar, the Astoria Bookshop, and our amazing intern, Nadine Santoro. A big thank you to our sponsors over the years, LIC Corner Cafe, Sweet Leaf Coffee, Court Square Diner, and The Gantry Restaurant. This episode was recorded by Carl Jacob, and mixed and edited by Justin Alvarez. Our theme music is by Pat Irwin. 
The LIC Reading Series is made possible in part by the Queen's Council on the Arts with public funds from the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs in partnership with the City Council. I'm your host, Catherine Lasota. See you next time in Queens.